Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. It's great to see you here. We hope you've had a great week and we hope that uh, you've been, you know, uh, reading God's word during the week and you've been praying and he's been leading you right through the week. And it's great that you've come this morning. And uh, this is just a continuing part of our daily walk with God to be with his people and together. So it's great that you're here. And if it's your first time, we want to welcome you. And we just hope that today's service will be something where you'll come to know more about this God who is uh, incredible, indescribable. And we, we hope that you come to know him more today if you're regular. We just hope you just continue to grow in your love for him. We're actually... Uh, starting a series today that will go for five weeks called Indescribable. And that's what we're talking about, this God that we worship who is so incredible that just finding words to describe him seem to fall short of explaining who he is. And so we look forward to sharing that together with you over the next five weeks. It's a great series to invite friends along to. And uh, we uh, hope that each week you'll be reminded of God's incredible character a news sheet is great and it's got all the information for you and you've got a flyer in there today and a, a, a note in the news sheet about a, a film that we're having here at the church Monday week. So it's Open Doors are coming and screening this and we're inviting all churches from the uh, you know, whole region to come. And it's, about, it's a film that would tell us more about the persecuted Christians in the Middle East and in China. So if you can make that Monday week, that would be great. We want to let you know that after this service next Sunday, 12.30, there's going to be a special meeting, an extra church meeting. And the purpose of the church meeting is uh, the deacons are bringing a recommendation for a person uh, to the church for approval to fill the small groups ministry area. It's a 10-hour appointment a week. And um, we just love you to come to that. If you're a member, you know, we would we would strongly urge you to be there as part of your membership you know, uh, responsibilities and we'd love you to come and to really have input into that time as you um, consider that proposal. Also, one of the things that we, we, we just want to let you know is that today is a great day to grab this Life Force brochure and to have a look through and say, is there something that I want to do in the coming up... Um, opportunities there are for some small groups that are happening with Life Force. Today uh, would, would be the day to do that and to sign up. May the 1st is when they're uh, starting, so you need to really register today and this week at the, at the latest. It would be great to do that. Hey, um, today, the, the, the series, the message that we're looking at as we start looking at our indescribable God is a God who makes a way. Uh, the incredible thing about God is that he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's all-powerful, and yet he really cares about what's going on in our life. And I thought, uh, that's something we really need to know, isn't it? That God cares about what's going on in my life, especially this week where we've just had so many things, it seems, in our world have just... Um, let us shaking our head, you know, uh, where one 23-year-old in America would take the lives of 32 young people and then his own life uh, in that way. You kind of say, God, when you think that even another incident sort of gets third, fourth page in our newspapers and 
that 230 people are killed in Iraq with suicide bombings. And you think, just in one week, that's um, you know, a lot to comprehend. And then you think about you know, the growing need for us to have water, the, 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 the real way in which our land's crying out for water. And uh, you just think, God, we're so thankful that though you're the creator of the heavens and the earth and that you're powerful and almighty, but that you care about our situation. This is what David must have been wrestling with when he penned the words of Psalm 139. You might like to turn to that or listen to the words that he says in 139 as he wrote about God's character. I think he was reminding himself that God is not just this far off God, but he was one who knows us and who's with us and who can help us. This is what David wrote in Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit and when I stand up. You know my every thought when afar. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You both precede and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me even before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. Uh, God cares about our situation. He knows about it and he's with us. So as we gather together, let's lift up our hearts and pray to this indescribable God. God, our Father, just want to thank you so much that as we come to worship you today, as we come to give you our lives afresh, give you our circumstances and to again affirm that you are God and that we're not, we just want to thank you that you are a God who cares about us right where we are. Thank you that you know us completely. Our comings and our goings, you're aware of. God, there's nothing that you 
don't know about us and about our situation. God, we thank you that you, you also are with us in all the things that we're facing. God, we thank you that your presence is with us and available for us every day as we live our lives. God, we thank you that you are all-powerful, that there's nothing that you can't do. There's no ending of your resources, God. So we would just lift up the families and friends of those who have been killed in this last week in the Virginia Tech. God, we pray for family and friends and those most affected by this. God, we pray in their grieving and in their loss that they'll be aware that you know and that you're with them and you can help them. God, for people in Iraq who just don't know what's around the corner and have just seen so much um, destruction and devastation and, and so much loss of life. And we pray for people there. God, we think especially too of our troops that are there and uh, for other Australian troops in Afghanistan. And God, we would just pray this, um, this day as we come close to Anzac Day that you would be strengthening our troops and being with them. And, and God, too, we pray too that uh, this week that we will be thankful for those that have served. Oh, God, we want to pray too for rain and we want to just keep crying out to you for that. And we pray for those that are on the land needing it the most for their crops. We pray for those that are uh, the, the, the levels that it's reduced to, we just pray, God, that you'd bring more rain. God, we thank you that you are a God who knows our situation. And so we cry out to you because we need you, God, uh, in every area of our lives. And so, God, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Always knowing, always present and all-powerful. And thank you, indescribable God. Amen. Well, if someone asked you uh, to describe God, I mean, uh, what, what would you, how would you do it? What, what kind of words would you use? I mean, just think about it. How big is God? How powerful is God? How loving is God? How wise is God? How would you describe him? I hear people describe him, you know, every day, sometimes in, in strange ways. But how would you describe him? And as we start this series on indescribable God, I just want to let you know something right up front is that there are a lot of things, many, many things that I don't understand or completely know about God. I know some of you are thinking about, you're thinking, great, you know, we came this, today and he doesn't, even the preacher doesn't know that. But um, the, the truth is that there are so many things that I still haven't got my head around about God completely. For instance, the eternal nature of God, I find that just um, a, a really difficult thing to completely grasp, to get my head around. The psalmist uh, said in Psalm 90, he said, 
before the mountains were created, before you made the earth and the world, you are God. And then he says, without beginning or without end. One translation says, from everlasting to everlasting. I find it hard to get my head around that. You see, Jonathan Stark had a beginning. Uh, And my mum was really pleased when I was born. She rejoiced. I was a 36-hour labour. And when I finally came into the world, she was celebrating for all the wrong reasons. Um, By the way, on Friday, a new little baby boy came into the world for David and Fiona Christie. So they're celebrating as well as Joel was born. When I had a beginning, and so did Joel, and we find it, I find it kind of um, easier to kind of think about the fact that we, we go on and on and on, like there's a God that has no ending. I mean, I can kind of grasp that because I haven't died yet, you know, and I know that I'll live forever like God will, but I find that easy to grasp. But to think that I had no beginning is harder. And to think that God, uh, that I had a beginning, no, that God had a beginning because I know I had a beginning and he never had one. And that sort of gives me the weirdos, you know, makes me feel like, what is that like? What would that be like never to have a beginning? You know, and science kind of explains it. They, they kind of explain it like this. They say, well, there's this bang and, and matter and energy and gases in the universe evolved from that bang into the life that is today. And my question is, well, where did the matter and the gases and the energy come from? And science kind of has no explanation for an original cause So that's one reason that I believe that there must be an eternal God who has always been, an eternal nature. But I confess that I don't understand all that. I'm trying to, but it's hard. The other thing I don't understand is the Trinity. You know, um, you probably know a little bit about the the concept of the Trinity because at baptisms, you know, before we baptise people, we say, now now baptise you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit, the, the three. And God is one, yet he's three. And if you don't know much about that, at least you'll remember the Don McLean song, you know, um, and the three men I admire most, the Father, Son and Holy Ghost, they took the last train for the coast the day the music died. So bye-bye, Miss American Pie. You remember that one? You know something about the Trinity at least, right? Uh, You want me to keep going? Did someone say? (laughs) (laughs) You're tempting me. No, no, no. But at least you might have heard that. But I've heard so many people, like the whole concept of the fact that God the Father is God. God the Son is God. And God the Holy Spirit is God. Yet there's one God, kind of, it's, it's hard to grasp. And some people say, that's easy. You know, it's just like an apple core, yeah, an apple. You know, you've got the core and that's God the Father, the flesh around the apple, that's God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's the, that's the skin. And I go, oh, right, now I've got it, you know. And then they say, no, well, if you don't still understand it, it's like there's water 
and then there's kind of ice or snow, and then there's kind of steam. You know, um, they're all the same thing, but they're in different forms. You know, I've even heard someone say, it's easy, the Trinity. It's just like Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> you know, uh, chocolate is the father, strawberry is the son, and uh, vanilla is, is the Holy Spirit. You put them in a bowl, mix them all up, and they're all one. And I think somehow they fall short of explaining the Trinity, don't they? They're good ideas, but they don't. God's kind of, that, that kind of the Trinity part is an incredible thing that kind of falls into that difficult to grasp thing. You know, there's another thing, the eternal nature of God, uh, the Trinity. There's another thing that I find kind of really hard to understand, kind of indescribable about God, is that the God who made the heavens and the earth, the all-powerful, almighty God, would care about me. I kind of, kind of find that incredible, almost indescribable. I, I remember being on summer holidays after my first year of Bible college. And, you know, the year before I'd left my... Uh, working in the insurance company where I'd worked for seven years. And I kind of felt God had called me to study to become a pastor. And I felt so called and strongly about that that I really shut the door on that career. And I started using the money that I'd earned there to pay for fees, for books, for tuition, for computers, for everything. And then I'd had my first year of study. And I remember being on summer uh, holidays when I was sort of having on a coffee shop on a beach mission. And I remember mum and dad uh, speaking to them on a public phone and they said, we've just got your results, Jonathan, and you've failed three subjects. And I remember thinking, oh, because I was doing a Bachelor of Theology and Bachelor of Theology only has five subjects per year and I'd failed three out of the five. It's like year-long subjects. Abram Gunn's doing Bachelor of Theology, so you better pray for him this year. He's down at Bible College doing that. But, you know, this was, it all hung on the last kind of exams that you did and all your year's work. Uh, you did one essay, but it all hung there. And out of the three, the five subjects, I'd failed three, 60% of the subjects. And the dean of students rang me, talked to the principal, because not only uh, had I failed those subjects, but I was elected to come back and sort of lead the, the students in school as an SR1 responsibility. And so they were saying, first we've got to find out whether he's even returning, you know. And I remember just thinking, oh, I, I felt hopeless. I felt like a failure. I felt like I wasn't even sure if, if I did go back again, whether I could pass, even if I tried my hardest. And I didn't feel academic and I felt like I was lacking discipline and that I was unable to do what I'd committed myself to do and I just didn't know what to do. I, it's fair to say I felt lost. Um, I wondered if God could really make a way for me right there. In those times, I, I remembered how God had called me to Bible college and so I decided that I had... Uh, even though I'd failed miserably, that if God had called me, then he should really be the one to help me out of this and he shouldn't let me down at this time. So I remember 
deciding, okay, God, I'm going to go back and I'm going to keep trying. Uh, I'm trusting in you. And I'll never forget sitting back on the first day back at college after failing those three subjects and then having to lead the students and sitting down with a coffee in the, in the room. And they didn't, people didn't realise I was there, but one guy sort of overheard him say, you know, if that was me, uh, if I'd failed even one subject, he said, I'd never come back here again. I remember thinking, they must be talking about me. And I, I remember uh, that at that time, as I cried out to God, he didn't wave a magic wand for me. You know, he didn't kind of all of a sudden just transform the sawdust in my head to brain matter miraculously. <laughs> he, he kind of didn't uh, just make the, the E's turn into A's you know, on the thing. But, but what I found is I trusted him at that time. Day after day, week after week, month after month, as I said, God, I'm going to trust in you to help me through this, for you to make a way. He made a way as I took each step. You know, I think some of you today are dealing with hurt, perhaps a pain. Maybe there's an obstacle an addiction, perhaps there's a problem, an emotion in your life and you're wondering the same thing that I was wondering. Can God make a way for you? Can the God who made the world make a way in your world? Maybe you'll identify with some of the things that Anne Miles is going to share with us as she shares. Let's welcome her up. I'm Anne Miles, a single mum and I'm privileged to have four children. I was married and now I'm separated. The events leading up to this and since this separation have caused me incredible pain. I've had to face my own contribution to my failed marriage and my feelings of anger, hurt, frustration and despair. I'm so thankful to God because he was there for me during these difficult times. He is such a great God and his love for us all is immeasurable. He enabled me to do something I thought I never could do and that was to re-enter the workforce. He found me a job he knew before I was even aware how much I would need it and I had had a period of 18 years out of the workforce. He helped me in finding the right house, in the right location, great value and what I could afford. I knew it was the right house, but I had to entrust it all to God. He kept it for me for three and a half months until the property settlement was finalised and I was able to buy it. Thank you to everyone who prayed for me, the blue cards work, and thank you for all my friends, for your faithfulness and prayers to me as well. I've also been helped with support through counselling with Gail, through the Life Force courses, Crown Ministries, Woman to Woman and How People Grow. And they've helped me to know God's truth and receiving his healing and wonderful support I've had from very dear friends, not just from the Life Force courses but also my Bible study group 
the prayer team and many others that he has blessed me with. It didn't happen straight away, but step by step, God has provided my every need and he has made a way for me. As a verse my pop gave me says, John 14 verse 6, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and there's no other way to the Father except through him. God values you and he loves you and no matter where you are at or what you have done, he cares for you and he can help you through whatever situation you may be in or what you may be feeling. He is there for you. Entrust it all to God and he can bring about his purposes for your life and lead you in his way. Thank you. Well, let's, let's pray, shall we? God, right at this time, um, I think there are many people today, many of us who feel that right now they're in a tough spot in their life. God, people who are hurting, who are in pain, who are confused, people who feel like uh, life is out of control. And God, perhaps there are people here who are just wondering if you can make a way now. And God, some people are saying, God, are you gonna, could you make a way soon in my life? And God, I think particularly about those people who may be feeling like life's got off track because of a death. Someone that they love very much has died. And God, for those who have felt that they, they can never really put their life back together since a, a divorce or people who live with insecurity every day or fears every day or people who have been hurt emotionally. God, for people that have relationship struggles or who have even been physically, sexually abused and felt that they've not been able to trust. God, I think of those this morning too here who might be facing the real difficulty and challenges of an addiction, some kind of addiction maybe to food, maybe to a habit, maybe to a bottle or a substance, maybe to slot machines or to relationships or whatever they, they feel they have no control over. And God, for those who feel you know, uh, just powerless to uh, sexually explicit material or, be, or sexual behaviour that's just not of you. God, for those who have a temper that just seems to explode and just to be so hard to control. God, I, I pray for them. God, there are people here this morning that might not be dealing with these problems themselves but have a loved one who is just right in the midst of them and they feel like no one can understand the pain of, of being in, in that, their situation. God, for all who are wondering whether you can make a way for them, I pray that through the time that we have this morning that you will help them find the way. Help them find a way as they look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the time that remains, I just want to talk to you about several things that I've learnt about how God makes a way 
in our life when there seems to be no way? Um, I wonder as we start, thinking about the fact that he knows my situation, um, why don't we read this verse out together? Um, Psalm 147, verse 5. Let's, let's read this together. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. It says there, uh, his understanding is beyond comprehension. Some of you are wondering right, right now if God knows your circumstances. Uh, if he's aware of what you're going through, does, does God know? Well, the first thing about God's indescribable nature, uh, the God who makes a way, is that he actually does know your situation. God knows your situation that you're going through. His comprehension is unbelievable. God knows everything. Uh, the term that we sometimes use to refer to this characteristic of God is that God is omniscient, omniscient. He knows everything. God knows everything. The thing is, you can never throw a surprise party for God. I mean, he already knows about it before it's happened. God never forgets anything. He, he doesn't have to project into the future because God already knows the future. He has perfect knowledge of every subject matter, Geology, biology, psychology, sociology, physiology, theology. He knows it all. Uh, my uh, father, he was working as a company secretary in a, in a company many years ago. And he began to find that there were some discrepancies in the books of a colleague that was working with him. And as he started to pick up, there were some things that weren't right. He actually went to the, to the guy and he said, look, I'd love to have a chat with you. There's a few things that I'm just wanting to ask some questions about. And the guy said, no problem. After lunch, I'll, I'll have a meeting. Let's meet after lunch. And the guy went for lunch, but he never came back. And the uh, fraud investigators came to my father's work and they went through the books and they found that for many years, this man had been taking money and covering up his tracks after him through false entries. Um, and he, he said, uh, when I think about that kind of story and think about that man who had been uh, doing that for years, I think, I wonder what happened at the very start, you know, when he first thought, I'm going to do this. You know, I think one of the things that he must have been believing, which so many people believe, is that nobody will ever know. You know, I'll just take this and I'll cover it up and no one will know. And I think so many people do that in the circumstances that they're in in their life. They hide, they conceal, they deny, they lie, they think that no one knows what's going on. The truth is God knows. The indescribable God knows what's going on. The God of the universe knows. He knows your physical needs. He knows your emotional needs. He knows your relational needs. He knows your spiritual needs. He knows your hurts. He knows your habits. He knows your hang-ups. God knows. Uh, a really well-off grandfather uh, went to a doctor one day and he 
been finding it really hard to hear for quite some time. And the doctor was able to prescribe this wealthy um, grandfather hearing aids. So he, he gave them to him and he said, look, from now on, you're going to be able to hear everything with perfect clarity. About a month later, this wealthy grandfather came back to the doctor for a checkup and the doctor said, you know, how's it going? How's it going? And he said, oh, doc, I can hear everything perfectly. And the doctor said, gee, I bet your family are just marvelling and amazed at this breakthrough in technology and how it's helping your life. He said, oh, no, I haven't told them a thing. (laughs) He said, I've been listening to their conversations for a month now and I've changed my will four times. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Sometimes I think we live our lives a little bit like that family, don't we? I mean, uh, we wonder and we think, oh, uh, is someone really watching us? Does somebody know? Is someone listening in to our conversations? Is someone aware of everything that's going on in our life? And God is. He knows. Uh, God knows about your situation. In fact, not only does he know, he, he's concerned, caring about that. Look what it says in... Psalm 56 and verse 8, it says, You, God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. What he's saying is God knows our pain. It's like he's collecting our tears as we cry them. You know, Eric Clapton wrote a song after his six-year-old son uh, went off a balcony and was, and was killed. And he wondered in the song if there would be tears in heaven. Well, the answer is yes, your tears. Uh, every single one of them, every time you think nobody understands the struggles I'm going through, the pain that I'm facing, the things that I'm, I'm going, no one understands that. The truth is God knows. He knows. God is aware. He said, no one understands the depression. No one understands the grief, the fear, the pain that I'm going through. No, that's, God does know. He's aware. He knows your situation. God knows your situation. So this indescribable God knows my situation, but that's not all. He actually knows my situation, but he's also with me in my situation. Uh, One of the things I've learned is that no matter what I'm going through, God is with me. This kind of uh, characteristic of God is described as the omnipresence of God, the fact that God is always present. I remember a couple of years ago I was listening to the footy on the radio and uh, I go for the Hawks. Yay! Oh, oh, there's not as many Hawthorne supporters around, are there? But anyway, I was listening to him and Shane Crawford got the ball. And the commentator said, Shane Crawford got the ball, he's kicked it, and he kicked it up the field. And what happened, the commentator was describing what happened next. He kicked it up the field, a pack formed around the ball, and out of the bottom of the pack came Shane Crawford. And the commentator said, unbelievable, Crawford, he's all over the ground, he's everywhere, Crawford's everywhere. And I've got to give you a tip. When sports commentators say, that Shane Crawford's everywhere, they're exaggerating, okay? Shane Crawford's just like you and I. He can only be in one place at one time. 
But the truth is that when the Bible says that God is everywhere, it's not exaggerating. It's true. Look what uh, Jeremiah uh, has. Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah 32, 23, 23. Look what God says there. Am I a God who is only in one place, asks the Lord? Do they think I cannot see what they are doing? Can anyone hide from me? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, asks the Lord? And the answer is, yes, I am. I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. No matter how flexible or fast Crawford is, he can only be in one place at the one time, but not God. In fact, uh, God is everywhere in the world at the same time. You know, some people think, well, God's so big that when it comes to the omnipresence of God, that we, this big God gets chopped up into pieces so he can be, a little bit of him can be here in Wodonga and then there's a bit of him down in Melbourne as well and a bit up in Sydney and a bit over, you know, we really need a bit of him in Sydney, don't we? Uh, so we put God up there as well and we've got it here. But you know what? The, the writers, the Bible says uh, he's not just present everywhere, little bits of him because he's so big. God is fully present everywhere, everywhere. The psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit in Psalm 139? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. So God is fully everywhere, completely. You know what that means? There's lots of implications from that. But one of the things that it means is that he is fully with you in your situation right now. Whatever you're going through, he's with you. He's there. And to a family who have just buried a loved one, a dearly loved one, and stood at the graveside and said goodbye to them, do you know what they need? (laughs) You know what they need for today, for tomorrow, for the next week, next month? They need to know that God is there with them through it all, that he's with them. And that's why in... John 14, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. He lives with you now. The Holy Spirit lives with you now. And, and you know, one of the amazing things is if we were to say tonight, you know, uh, Aaron Kennedy, he, he's, he's speaking tonight on sex, you know, a men's, men's guide to sex. And there's a lot of people already coming for that. That's going to be fabulous. But if we were to cancel that tonight and say, Jesus is going to be here. Jesus is preaching at Wodonga Baptist Church. I mean, we would have helicopters, you know, the media, everybody. People would come from Melbourne, Sydney, all around. People would travel to hear Jesus. We'd have to pack out, you know, and knock a wall out so we can, people can fit in if Jesus was preaching here tonight. But, you know, the problem would be that we would have a fabulous night. But down in Melbourne, they will miss out on Jesus because he'd be up here. And Sydney, uh, you know, they wouldn't be able to have Jesus down there, up there. And yet we'd have so much great time. So that's why Jesus said, it is better for you that I go because I'm going to send to you the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you always. So 
God is with us right always and he's in our situation. You know, some people say, oh, I feel like my prayers when I'm praying, they don't even hit the ceiling. You know, they just don't get any higher than the ceiling and bounce back to me. You know what? The great thing is they don't even have to go past the ceiling. He's right with you, right there in the room. He's right next to you. So you can pray to him even when you feel that you're not getting through. So God is with me in my situation. God uh, knows my situation. He's with me in my situation. And the the final thing about this indescribable God is that God can change my situation. It's the third thing to get a grip on. God can change your situation. Um, Do you know the first thing that people who are going into rehab need to admit? You know, the first thing that they have to admit when they sign up for rehab, they have to be able to say, I can't change my situation. They have to agree that they're powerless to their situation. Uh, they, they say, I'm powerless over what I'm struggling with. I can't solve it anymore when they sign up. And, you know, it's true for every single one of us who struggle with a hurt, uh, an emotion, an addiction, a pattern of behaviour that happens uh, when we're, you know, in the midst of grief and loss and when we're trying to cope with that, a relationship, or whether there's a substance in our life that we're abusing. You know what? If we, when we feel uh, that we can't control it, when we can't stop it, we can't quit, we can't heal it on our own, the thing that needs to happen for us to find that is to actually be able to come to a point where we admit that we can't. We just own up and we say, I can't make it on our own. You know what the problem is? Most times we never get to that point. We say, oh, I've got this thing, but I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's okay. I've got this struggle, but it's, it's going to be okay. It's all right. Everything's fine. It's like the guy who jumped off a 50-storey building and as he was going down the, down, the, you know, down the building halfway, someone put their head out the window and they said, how are you doing? And he said, so far, so good. You know. And sometimes we think we're doing fine just because we haven't hit the bottom yet, you know? Sometimes we think we're fine because we haven't hit the bottom yet. But the truth is we're just smiling and not admitting the things that need to be helped in our life. And the first thing that we need to do is admit that we can't do it on our own. Um, All of us can be like that. I think that's why God uses some situations in our life to bring us to that point where we get to that point where we do say, God, I need you. And sometimes he, I think often he uses three things. He uses in our lives uh, three things that help us get to the point where we say, I need you, God. And the first thing is crisis. You know, sometimes he'll use an illness or a stress or a loss of a job or a loss of a loved one. And maybe you go through a divorce or you typically uh, use something, a crisis God will be out of use to help us get to the point to say, God, we need you. We can't go on. The other thing that often God uses is confrontation. He'll place someone in our life who'll say, I can't stand it anymore that you're doing this. (laughs) Please come. I'm going to come and help you. Stop doing that. And a Christian friend or a godly person says, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. And they confront us. And it brings us to a point to say, okay, you're right. I need help. The third thing that sometimes happens is a catastrophe. And that's just when the bottom falls right out. You know, when 
we just break down physically, emotionally, relationally or financially. You just hit a wall. You, you hit the bottom really hard. And I just hope that you, know, you don't have to go through that. And I just hope that you don't have to face that. But there's one guy who faced that, faced that Jeremiah. And Jeremiah uh, faced it and he, he was kind of weeping and grieving and crying out to God in the midst of his despair. He was singing the blues. And he really experienced, though, in the midst of that uh, deep hitting the wall experience, the power of God to change his circumstances. Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, O Lord, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too hard for you. You know what's hard? Nothing's too hard for God. Nothing's too hard for God. He's all-powerful. You know what's too hard sometimes? Is for you and I to come to the point where we realise that we are able to admit that we're not God and that we can't do it all ourselves. Sometimes we act like God and we think we are, uh, nothing's too hard for us. And, and getting to the point where we stop trying to become God, where we stop trying to, uh, you know, change circumstances to make them fit us, to control our image, to control our circumstances, to control our pain, and we try and do that, and it takes us pain and point. Sometimes some of these things lead us to the point where we are ready to say, God, I can't do it on my, by myself. I need you, and nothing is too hard for you. You know what I found that's... Uh, to be true, and I think Anne mentioned it in her sharing too. Uh, and it's this, that God gives you power along the way. When you get to the point of saying, I can't do it all by myself, and you say, God, I need your help, you know what I found? He rarely waves a magic wand. He rarely puts, you know, miraculous changes in your life. But he gives you power along the way as you admit that you need him and you ask for his help. Do you know this is a principle that's right through the Bible. I think we see it especially in Exodus 14, the children of Israel are being led by Moses out of slavery and they're going through the desert and they're going through and they're following a cloud and they're just taking step after step as God leads them and guides them and, and the Egyptians are in hot pursuit of them and they're, they're going, but, but the cloud, God leads them right to this dead end and there's just the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptians coming in and they start panicking and Moses says, don't worry about it. It's all right, I'm under control. God says he's going to help us. You know, he's going to get us through. And so they all stand there wondering what's going to happen and Moses lifts up his staff and they start to take walks into the Red Sea and the Red Sea parts and they walk through on Drogan. As they trust in God and take the steps, he provides his power. And they get right through the Red Sea and the Egyptians start following and the waters just come back and they all drown. And God provided a way for his people in that situation. Do you know, I think so many people here in this room today, this church, uh, need God to make a way, need power right now to help you through challenges that you're facing. And do you know, I don't think God would just make, uh, wave the magic wand. You would just love him to do that for you. But my guess is God's going to provide it through you admitting that you need him 
and taking the first step and asking God for power along the way as you do it. Do you know what I've found? The people that are in that situation know what the next step is. You know, usually God makes it pretty clear what the next step is. And uh, you, you would sense from reading God's word or knowing other people saying things to you or God prompting you about what you need to do in your circumstance. You know, I know new for me, it was about just getting discipline at Bible college and saying, I'm going to you know, just get rid of all the other distractions and put time into study and work hard and be self-controlled because God's talked to me. So I had to say, God, I'll try and do this if you give me power along the way. And most people in that situation know what's needed. So take that first step towards what you know God's saying and ask for power along the way. And this principle can be uh, applied to so many different areas of life. Maybe right now you're at odds with a family member. Maybe there's someone in your family who you're not talking to, a relational conflict. And uh, you know that what needs to happen is you need to talk to them. You need to reconcile. Maybe there's things you need to say you're sorry for or maybe there's things you have to undo that you've done or, or just you need to reach out. And you think, I could never do that. I'm powerless to do that. I, I've we've, it's been years since we've talked. I could never do that. And maybe as you hear the power along the way principle and you hear that God can change your situation because nothing's too hard for him, the thing is to pick up the phone, to write the letter, to, to, just, to just start to talk the words and to say you're sorry and in the midst of that to ask God to give you power along the way. Perhaps at the next family gathering you just go and talk to them and show them and say, God, would you give me power along the way? You know, uh, maybe that needs to happen at work. Perhaps there's things that you know that you haven't been doing that you should be doing but you think I could never do them and I have to just start to do them. And ask for God's strength to help me do that along the way. Maybe it needs to happen tomorrow when you go back to your office to have the strength to say, maybe I'm sorry I was wrong to a work colleague or to somebody else or to start making changes. Some of you today find yourself ensnared in a secret sin that no one ever knows about. No, other people might not know and you think, because no one knows that perhaps you've fooled yourself thinking that God doesn't know. And maybe you need to, you know that the behaviour is wrong and you know what's going to stop, but you've prayed about it, you've cried out, you've asked God to take you from it, you've said, God, would you fix it tomorrow? And he hasn't waved his magic wand. And perhaps now the power along the way principle means that you've just got to take the first step and ask him for strength, ask him to help you along the way, to start walking in the direction. It could be that you say to a friend, you know, you think this is who I am, but I've got to tell you, this is who I really am. And I'd just like you to help me through this. Can we pray together? Can you help me walk through this difficult time? Because no one else knows about it, but I want help along the way. It could be that you take the Life Force brochure and you say, I'm I've been trying and taking the first step along the way is admitting that this might really help me in this area. could be that you uh, just, just sign up for a Gamblers Anonymous thing or an Alcoholics Anonymous or you start to say, this is what I'm going to do to take the next step 
Maybe it's getting rid of the computer. Maybe pulling out the, throwing out DVDs. Maybe it's making sure that at certain times of the week that people are with you. Some of you this morning are living in relationships or living situations that just aren't honouring God and you know it. And you've just been thinking that it's okay. And perhaps you know that God's wanting you to make changes in those living arrangements and yet you think, oh, that would hurt people, it would change things, you know, I just can't do it, it's impossible, It's, it's too hard. Maybe this afternoon you need to start packing things up or making it clear that you're going to live a life of purity. Power along the way says, God, would you help me? I can't help myself, but I'm going to take the right steps that need to be taken. Philippians 2.13 says, uh, God is at work within you, giving you the will and the power, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. God will help you as you cry out to him. You know, I found myself in a situation at college where I really wondered whether God would make a way. I felt like there were, uh, you know, no way that I could get through. There were moments I felt like a failure. I felt like I'd made the wrong choice completely a year before and now I didn't know what I was going to do. There were times I, I didn't see that there was possibly a way out. No light at the end of the tunnel. Then I started asking God to help me every day, every moment, for power along the way. And, you know, God did make a way for me. There's a great song that Don Moen has written and he wrote the song, God Will Make a Way, after hearing about the tragic death of his nephew in a car accident. And through that time when he was just so, uh, so hurt by the situation, He wrote these simple words, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day, he will make a way. God will make a way. I love this song because for me, God rarely just uh, flicks his fingers every day, step by step. He helps me. This indescribable God can make a way in your life too. And as Sandy comes and sings this simple song to you, I just uh, pray that you will ask him for the strength to help you take the next step and help him make a way.